Namaskar and welcome to Radio Eka. My name is Shruti Deora. And my name is Priyanka. And we are your hosts for the Radio Eka podcast. Eka is a place to learn yoga nidra, pranayama and meditations from India. We have a mobile app and we also offer daily meditation classes on Zoom. If you want to try the app or join our classes, please check out our website www.ekameditation.com or just check the show notes. Namaskar. I welcome you to this episode. As part of our mindfulness series, I have the pleasure of welcoming my dear dear friend Ashima Goyal. Ashima and I go back a long way. We went to college together just one year apart and college years being our formative years, let's just say we grew up together. Uh, for a few years on campus. So uh, welcome Ashima, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you Shruti, thank you so much. It's a pleasure and an honor to be on your show, on your, in your program. So thank you so much. Okay, let me just quickly introduce you. Um, so Ashima is a person of numerous talents, a writer, an editor, a social emotional learning educator, an artist, a community builder, uh, the visionary behind Romania's first Karma Kitchen, a cook and food blogger, and a spirited volunteer. Her service has spanned from online space holding to hands-on direct disaster aid in grassroots villages after serious floods in Uttarakhand to transformative hands, head, heart retreats. Her work has focused on transforming her environment by first transforming herself through small acts of service. Her mantra is bloom where you are planted. Her education includes electrical engineering from IIT Bombay and masters in social policy and development from London School of Economics. She taught mindfulness to elementary school kids in Mongolia and Romania and currently develops learning products that bring holistic education to school students. So welcome again, Ashma, and um, we are excited to have this conversation. And especially as a mother of two, I was really looking forward to having this interesting um, discussion on how to inculcate mindfulness in kids. Before we start uh, on the topic, would love to hear something about your mindfulness journey and especially how you got into working with kids. They are both quite tied together. So I started working with kids back when we were in college. There was a municipality school next to IIT and I used to go and volunteer there twice a week. So like just being aware of the challenges that some of the kids were facing back in home because when you are coming to school, you're not just coming for an English or a maths or a science class, you are bringing your home with you. You are that person, right? So that was my first introduction to a whole being in that sense. By education needs the child to be, needs to see child as a whole being. And I could see the challenges in the system back then. But of course, like you're studying and um, then you start working and you join the corporate job. And I continued to volunteer with kids in that sense. But it was only when I went to Angola, which is in 2013, that I saw trauma of a very different uh, scale. 
So Angola had 30 years of civil war. Most of the kids I was working with uh, were street kids who had been abandoned by their families or had seen their families disappear in some sense. And that, I'd not seen that trauma before and I did not know how to handle it. Mm. Like, frankly speaking, I did not know how to handle it. And I, I remember this one incident that was so etched in my memory because that's the turning point of, for me from anything that I was doing towards mindfulness. I was doing an art session with kids and I had to leave before the session got over. So I left and I told the other uh, facilitator to take it forward. And the next day when I came back, there was a painting uh, which a girl had made with a high heel, uh, like the, the stiletto punching into a heart and blood coming out. And I spent a month trying to find that girl. I couldn't. And that just left me, like I, I spoke with my founder and I was like, we need, a, we need a psychologist here. We need somebody who can handle this trauma. And I started researching more and I realized I, that's when I got uh, introduced to the concept of mindfulness for kids. And I also realized that I can't teach mindfulness unless I'm practicing mindfulness. So I, ha- I went for my first Vipassana course at that time while so many of my friends had gone there and had asked me to go like it's ever since... And this was like, this is the incident that pushed me towards it. So, it's like, mm. so that was my beginning of mindfulness for myself and also mindfulness for kids. Because then I started volunteering for the Pasana for kids camps. And I got trained as a mindfulness educator. I got trained as an SEL educator. So that point, that painting is, is my turning point in life. Wow. That is quite a story. And it is really heartrending that... There's so much trauma around the world, especially the and what kids go through when 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 civil conflict and war happens around us. Um, yeah, so thank you for sharing that. How would you define mindfulness? It's a it's a very uh, let's say overused word in our modern society. And so, what do you think mindfulness means? And what are the ways to build mindfulness or inculcate mindfulness into our lives? You know, like. Um... So Thiknathan, like in, in a lot of his talks, he would say that every moment is a happy moment. And if we have enough conditions to breathe, we have enough conditions to be happy. So for me, that momentary awareness and happiness, like you said, like mindfulness is such an overused term. And it's definitely, it's got so many definitions around. Something that resonates with me is... Um, Am I totally consciously aware of this moment? What's happening inside me and what's happening in my surroundings? Am I present to it? And that's mindfulness to me. So for example, if I'm drinking a cup of tea, can I experience the warmth of it in my palms? Can I actually smell the flavors? Or am I actually drinking what's next on my to-do list? What what to cook for dinner? What is the, when to put my, when are the kids coming back? Like, am I drinking all of those or am I drinking my tea? Is, is, yeah. my, um, is, is the way I would define mindfulness. And like the second part was when you asked like how to cultivate it, right? I mean, you know, it's like a lot of people whom I speak with and um, have worked with, they would, their first vision of mindfulness is like a Buddha-like person sitting to eyes closed on a cushion with hands in a mudra and on a lap or on the side. And then they would they would all be like, this is not for us. Like I can't sit still for, or I don't have time to sit still. I have, I can just barely get through my day or the next five minutes. And where do I find time for this? Like, 
And actually, a lot of centers that I have worked with would tell that people adopt or do meditation until they have kids and then they come back when the kids have left for college. So it shouldn't be that as a parent, I can't practice mindfulness, right? Mindfulness is so practical and like there are informal short ways of practicing mindfulness. So can I, um, like I said, like, can I bring awareness to my tea? I, I look forward to having like, when will that time come and I'll stop and have my cup of tea? And then I waste it, like, because I'm just like thinking what's to next, what's to do next. Hmm. So like something simple as just pausing to realize that you're breathing. Like we think of breath as a very autopilot. We sometimes don't even realize we are breathing, right? We don't feel it. So just to pause and say, okay, am I, I'm breathing in. Let me just be grateful for this nourishing air. And then I'm breathing out and let me feel it in my nostrils or on my, just, just on top of my lips, right? We, but we don't do it. And something like yoga, like you are a yoga teacher. And when you combine the movement with your breath, Mm-hmm. that's when the awareness of it comes right unless you do that yoga is not effective and actually abdominal breathing is something that I've done so often with the kids and they love it like you just lie down on the floor and you put your hands on your tummy and you are so uh, the breath is something that will always be there with you and if you can provide yourself and your kids with that anchor that wherever you're feeling anxious mm-hmm. just take that one minute to have three grateful breaths or three mindful breaths and you Put your hand on your tummy and feel it go up and down. That's that that it's an easy practice. It's a short practice. It doesn't um, it doesn't look overwhelming. <laughs> While sitting on a cushion looks overwhelming to a lot of people. And I'm not saying that meditation is not great. I am a meditator. I I do it. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. But it's it's okay if you can't like start where you are with what you have is. No, absolutely. I think the point is that for people who are new to this, it might seem like a chore, right? Oh, another thing for me to do in my day. And that is definitely maybe discourages uh, some people. And I think uh, you're very right that uh, mindfulness can really help parents. I can vouch for that. (laughs) So uh, it helps us being, you know, to be more patient with our kids, to be more present with our kids to really enjoy the time that we have with them. So yeah, so I think uh, going back to your breath sounds like a wonderful tool in the middle of the day, just stepping out into the sun and looking at the sky, you know, that's just my favorite thing. Like, you know, recently I was reading an article on touch as as nutrition. And as kids, we live a very tactile life, right? Mm -hmm. The kids are held, kids cuddle, kids roll on the floor, kids play in in the grass. But as, as we grow, we, we reserve touch for a very appropriate moment with a very appropriate person. And actually our tactile experiences become much lesser. Mm. And touch is not just skin deep. Touch actually impacts our brain. So can we have more of those moments with our own family? I mean, family falls under that appropriateness. We don't even talk about touch in conservative cultures. Like mm. if, if I see... Um, if I see my parents or my, my husband's parents, till I had a baby, their, the amount of times they were actually touching another human being was very limited. Now they're like all the time holding the baby, right? But, but they, it was very limited. So how do we, like, even those, those are practices of bringing awareness, bringing awareness to yourself within, like what's happening within me? Hmm. Oh, yeah. 
Very interesting, very interesting. Uh, bringing in the cultural aspects too, yeah. Um, so going back to kids though, so many times, you know, we have heard and we actually see that kids are totally present, right? And that's really the source of their joy and their unabashed energy. I can, you know, I can totally see that in my five-year-old. But so first I would like to ask, like, do kids need mindfulness practice? And if yes, why? Like, is it something about the changing environment today or how else can mindfulness help kids? Hmm. So true. I mean, kids are totally present in the moment. And I say this like from my experience, I and mean, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a trained psychologist, so I don't know what their brains really are. But as much as I've worked with elementary kids and as a two-year-old mother, I see my child being totally present. And I don't think they'll need any mindfulness training if adults weren't around them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because I think they learn like they don't have a concept of future, right? They don't have a concept of future. They want, if, if they want something, they want it now. If they want to do something, they want to do it now. And that makes them so curious about their surroundings. That makes them so observant about their surroundings. I mean, I remember I was once taking Sarah to the park. And I was in a hurry to take her to the park, but she wanted to observe this leaf that has fallen down. She wanted to see the brick that has come out of the pavement. She wanted to walk like one, one leg up, one leg down. And I'm like all the time feeling that let's go to the park. It would be fun there, right? But it's fun right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think they are not in a hurry. They have no urgency to finish, but they learn it from us when we tell them, like, I'm sure it sounds familiar, right? Finish your food and then we'll go and play finish your work and then you can uh, call your friends so that to do what is what you're doing right now with the carrot of what's going to happen next mm-hmm. is something they learn from adults yeah and also the morning rush right like yeah. i can see that uh, my daughter gets so upset because we're constantly rushing her to get her ready for school because it's always like that oh we're going to get late um finish off quickly yeah i yeah, I hear you. Totally hear you. In fact, there's a very beautiful picture book called Wait. It's by um, Antoinette Portis. So only two words, wait and hurry. It's, uh, it's a mother who's pulling, like who, who needs to take her child to the school. So she's to get, her, get him ready. She's to take him. They walk to the train station. They take the train. It rains and have to reach the school. The child is telling his mom to wait when he sees the man feeding the ducks in the park, when he sees the many waves to the construction worker, when he looks at the colors on the ice cream uh, man's page, uh, poster, and the mother is always like pulling the child saying, hurry, hurry, hurry. And finally it's raining and he's, he wants to lick the raindrop and mother is just like trying to put the raincoat coat and hurry. And finally there is like this huge big double rainbow and the child is like, no mom, wait. And, and the mother is like, yes, wait. And the author, the first line that author wrote, like, you know, when you are giving acknowledgement of a book or a, like, who do you dedicate this book to? She says, to my mother who waited. And I find that so beautiful. And I find that such a deep reminder to myself all the time that I will always have somewhere to go. I will always have something to do, but do I need to hurry? Mm. Like, can, does that urgency need to be so much there? Yeah. No. 
ஒன் would it make it easier for a kid to let something go whether it's you know the candy at the checkout aisle that i said no to <laughs> so not immediately like um, you know how kids make sense of things um is not only what's happening to them but how their parents and their teachers and their other caregivers are responding to it right so if you are calm mm-hmm. they will they will be able to understand if you are composed and, and and they learn from it right so if you are not that and the way you say no it's is going to impact them and at in that moment they can't see anything like they said that they don't have a concept of future that no no i only want the blue candy <laughs> but the blue and the red and the yellow are all the same but we have the red and the yellow at home when you get it they won't understand it at that moment mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah okay so you know as parents we have whether we like it or not or whether we you know tame our aspirations we do want you know our kids to grow into calm and balanced and compassionate individuals right and uh with some sense of responsibility so where do you think mindfulness fits in uh, the grand scheme of uh, raising kind and responsible individuals i am telling a story of when i was in a you know i was working into the school in romania and we were trying to introduce a social and emotional learning program and the teachers were like we have to teach maths we have to teach science we have to teach english we have to teach geography there's no time to teach sel mm. and our response was that it's not that sel in addition to all of those things sel is the plate on which you teach all of those things Mm. so the way you teach what you teach can be based on sel so like the same way i would say that if you if you ask me where does it where does it fit into the grand scheme then mindfulness is the fabric of it or the foundation on which you build conditions where your kids can thrive like the way you define what is thriving for your own child will be different from parent to parent like i might just want that she's able to build social relationships good relationships she's able to be kind and and she will be doing good in school do well in the world i mean every parent will have a different definition but when mindfulness is that is that is that foundation is what my um, my understanding is and um, you know like we are human beings right we are not human doings <laughs> so how do we we are always doing something how do we bring that be right to be to be just to be to be the human being and we need to start early on that and that's where mindfulness fits in and like i feel the word become has become very loaded it's not that complicated it's actually just awareness like how often do we feel our hands like our hands are doing so many things on the way like, like can i just stop and feel the hands hmm. like okay thank you <laughs> like thank you hands Yeah. yeah i think if you put nail on the head because i also feel like there is so much doing in you know in our world 
a lot of people seem to think that's a badge of honor, right? To be busy all the time. So there is really not much opportunity to just take a step back and be. And um, I, I really cherish those moments whenever I can find them. So. Kids don't have time to get bored these days. Right. <laughs> very important to just have those moments when you're not doing anything. And, and they don't know what to do then. They were like, I have to do something. And, right. And it's just like, I, all, I often feel that, that we've removed the being part and we've made ourselves human beings. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that this was a question on my mind. Now I don't know how to rephrase it because I was going to ask, what are some of the activities <laughs> that you would recommend to cultivate mindfulness in kids? But now I'm wondering, probably activity is not the right word for it. Um, or let's just say, how do you cultivate mindfulness in kids? And you mentioned this word SEL, social emotional learning. Could you talk to us a little bit more about it? What does it mean? And what are some of the ways um, that you in, you know incorporate that into the curriculum or just well, into schools learning, yeah. learning at schools? Yeah, SEL stands for social and emotional learning and it was developed, uh, it's been developed by multiple organizations and frameworks, but one of the earlier frameworks is by Kesel, um in US. And the work, um, I think back in 1999 or somewhere is the first time when um, there was a report that came, Dolores report, which looked at education beyond academic education. So education earlier was just three hours. Like you need to know how to read, read, write, and arithmetic. That used to be education. But now education is more like learning to be, learning to learn. Like you should be able to, because we don't know what we're teaching our kids for. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. You can teach them maths right now, but they also need to know what is problem solving. They also need to know so SCL is more about self-awareness, self-regulation, um, being able to resolve conflicts more easily, being able to uh, develop more positive relationships. That's what SCL is about. Mm -hmm. And how we, like one of the simplest exercises that I, I'll tell you about SCL is giving kids the vocabulary to express their emotions. Mm. A lot of times kids are frustrated because they can't express what's going on in, their, uh, in them. So telling them, to understand the signs that, okay, are you feeling too cold in your hands? Or are you feeling too sweaty in your hands? Or do you have butterflies in your stomach? Mm. Then that means that something is happening. So just give yourself a moment at that time, right? And then um, what, so the more words you have for the emotions that you go through, the more granularity you have, the easier it is for you to express it and the easier it is for you to respond to it and not react. Mm. You know, like the fight or flight mode as well as uh, as against you responding to a situation. So that's what SEL um, goes for in in an in, a, in an education environment. Mm. And uh, so both 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 like at both like at home or at school or at any other place, right? If you ask me, like, what are the ways to build mindfulness? Um, a framework that I've often used is is a take on the three monkeys, like Gandhiji's three monkeys. Oh. Like no, uh, speak no evil, see no evil, hear no evil, right? So I would say speak intentionally, like speak from a space of truth and intention. Like what? So if you if you do these circles with your um, with your kids, like at the end of the day or at the dinner table or when you're putting, like what what went well or what was it? Like what? How was your day today? Mm -hmm. Right? 
give them the vocabulary to be able to express what went. Like if they are not able to express it well, give them that vocabulary. And you share yourself, like I said, be vulnerable. And if they see you as having difficult times, they will be able to share their own difficult times also. Uh, like as a mother, I don't always need to be somebody who has everything under control for my kids. I don't have to be a superwoman for my kid. I have my shortcomings, but I should be able to see them, accept them, share them as well, right? Absolutely. I found it difficult. How do you think we can work together for this? So give them, so speak from that space and these circles really help. Initially, you might find them very unnatural. Initially, you might find them being chaotic, like what are we doing? And it's so, it's so cliche, like have a gratitude circle. Let's think, let's look for three things that were good, that went good in the, um, in the day, but they really become very natural. They become so flowing and kids look forward to it. So I used to teach English um, in Angola and Another thing that we used to do was that we used to start our class with one minute of silence. Mm. And a lot of kids will smile at it. A lot of kids will giggle at that time. But some will just sit. And others will sit because the because some of them are sitting. Some will sit because the teacher is sitting. But they are physically coming from another class. They are bringing so much from that. You can't expect the child's mind to just switch from one activity to another. You need to give a pause in between. And that's what, and it really helped us. Like our classroom was just so much more managed after a month, like after I think a month and 45 days of doing that practice. It just sit. And some kids will still not sit, which is okay. Like it's, it's fine. <laughs> so one was like, you know, speak intentionally. I mean, it was listen deeply. Like listening has become a pandemic. Like uh, we don't, we don't have, the capacity we don't have the capability we don't have the patience to listen mm -hmm. and our kid might just be saying things and we are our, our minds are still going on with our to-do list that okay I still need to finish preparing the dinner after okay. I listen to your uh story your, your complaint of what happened in the park with the child but if we just stop listen respond then we build them into more confident things we build them into more mindful and aware things. Like, can we point out things? Um, okay, what happened then? Like, how did you felt? And where did you feel it? So they they are more aware of themselves, what's happening within them, when things are happening outside and how to respond to it. And our internal signals happen much before we actually feel it. Mm -hmm. right? So just to build that awareness, to identify the internal signals earlier on. And then, yeah, so see the good, like, Help them see the good, notice the good and amplify the good. So one of my mentors used to say, there's a positive line to each one of us and there's a negative line to each one of us. We can either reduce the negative or we can use the positive. So let's focus our energy on seeing what is good in myself and amplifying that good, seeing what is good in others and amplify that good in the other. And the negative will take care of itself hopefully. But yeah, so those are the three, like that's the framework I use and I develop activities around it and that's wonderful yeah that's wonderful I think you're right I think it's just a lot about how we go about our day how we end our day how do we acknowledge what happened during our day and uh, you know giving some simple breathing tools um, though I mean it is let's just be real it's not very easy to take those three deep breaths when you are in a fit of anger, right? Whether it's an adult <laughs> or not. Right? No, 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 no. It doesn't happen that time. 
ஸ்கூலிங் curious and mindful about their physical surroundings and about the people uh, you know in their surroundings um because we are competing with the very attractive screens these days <laughs> i know um fact, my my child is 2 year old right so she's totally a zoom baby the first time she saw her grandparents was on a zoom call and i'm like she has too much more screen exposure than i would have actually wanted a one or two year and she doesn't even have school yet Yeah. So of course there is there is a lot of screen time but that also means that we need to be fiercely protective of the non screen time. Mm-hmm. Like uh, be very conscious so like look at your time table look at your child's time table and then then plan those um, experiences with them like uh, if you're cooking like you need to cook have them stand with you like make them smell the ingredients make them put things in the pan and turn and so you're doing things together you're doing the chores that need to be done but they need they need not be the chores right mm-hmm. tell them how to feel feel the pulses on their hands or feel the water on their hands feel the soap bubbles on their hands so every day every ordinary activity is sacred and we don't have to look for anything outside mm-hmm. you know like when you're doing the dishes do the dishes i mean it's it doesn't need to be you you don't need to do anything else at that time so one thing is that yes be very protective of the non screen time like um, so when i started working and i it was very recent that i was seeing that okay oh my god my daughter is up for 12 hours and i'm there for five of those 12 hours uh, seven hours i'm not there with her but what am i doing in those five hours is something i want to be very very mindful of hmm what experiences am i creating for her and i need to do my chores as well during those five hours it doesn't have to be a separate time Mm. so ordinary everyday things what i have where i am is where i create these experiences and then um a friend of mine does it very well uh, i'm not so good at it and not not a lot of people i know have been able to do but something like no technology day like he's very very um conscious that every sunday is the day with kids and only in case of an emergency or phone comes into the picture otherwise laptops are absolutely unknown like devices are unknown Wow. So no technology base is an example and he, he's based in US he's based in California or something like that. I think we need to start with some no technology hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying like start where you are right what's comfortable to you. So some no technology time like this is a time when we are doing something and there's no technology that comes in. And also like whenever there is space create those create those external um like camping trips and hiking trips where the kids are and and help the kids notice like take them slow not who reaches the top first but maybe who reaches the top last and notices the tiny ladybug that was walking and notices the leaf that had dried up or so had picked up the dandelion and you into it so by like we need to create those slow movements like how do we slow down 
and right. we can create those like it's not it's not absolutely out of the way to create them like you you do go on hiking trips and you do go on camping trips and you go on parks and depending on where you are to the beach or to the river plant and then how do we take it slow mm. instead of going fast i think that's where it is like awareness comes when we are slow all of us just have that intent of uh, you know maybe slowing down especially when we are with our kids and really do our best to be present uh, and as you said not thinking about our next meeting while you know our child is showing us our school work um, i think uh, that would really i think it would really help our kids but also really help us right because the joy that comes it comes from being present in the moment isn't it so we are really able to live fully and uh, be more mindful about it so that's wonderful any yeah. any closing thoughts from you uh, this has reiterate right that parents need to very actively create these mindfulness experiences for themselves and for their children and you know like when you are being the change like you change the being itself right you might have to put in that effort to be the change but then you will change yourself and it will become effortless mm. and you keep going back and forth which is okay like, it's fine just just like i always like think this that start with what you have and where you are and you always have your breath you always have your body you always have your touch you always have your chores and bring mm-hmm. mindfulness to your chores and yeah <laughs> that's a very good kind of entry point that you have given right because a lot of us might feel that oh let me get the chores out of the way and then i can do you know uh, something with the kids or you know do a mindfulness practice but what you're saying is just wherever you are be mindful right so yeah. that's that's beautiful and hopefully if our kids observe us um, doing that then they can also imbibe the same approach um or the same value so kids are like a sponge mm-hmm. they will keep on absorbing everything that you put in their brains so what what you know they are they're so true reflections of what we are saying what we are doing and what we are not saying and not doing also like or what what or yeah, the congruence yeah, between what we say and what we do right the incongruence between what we say and what we yeah. do yeah <laughs> yeah very true yes that's <laughs> yeah no i think there are so many times uh, some i the kids point out something and i'm like oh wow yeah i was doing that and you know they make you aware about where you were probably uh, a bit off uh, about something so mm-hmm. well, that's great <laughs> we have a lot to learn from our kids or let's say we have to lot to unlearn by being with our kids right yeah like i said if you're all kids if there were no adults we needed no mindfulness because we would have to totally present wonderful this has been an awesome conversation and fun and um thank you so much for joining and um i didn't if you have if you would like to share any resources or pointers with our listeners um as just you know from any reading or any activities on mindfulness with kids we will be happy to put that in show notes sure i will i will send you okay thank you so much ashma thanks for joining thank us you. today
Yeah. Thank you so much. It's an amazing work that you guys are doing. So I am a user of Eka too. So that's why I'm saying I'm grateful for what you've created. And thank you so much. Wonderful. Wonderful.